Humanity cannot survive. Replicants are the future of the species. But I can only make so many. For instructing the army. He's got every gun in the city. I've got you. We have to stop him. You do not know what pain is yet. You will learn. Your story isn't over yet. There's still a page left. I always told you, you're special. Hello and welcome to Deja Vu, the Ithacan's weekly review podcast. I'm reviews editor Jake Leary and I am here today with staff writer Charlie Musanti. I don't know if I'm pronouncing your name right and I just had that you horrible you realization. Actually, you actually got it right. This is a personal victory for me, but we're moving on. We're going to talk about Blade Runner 2049 today, yeah. which is a long time coming. Finally came out. Yeah to a really positive reaction, which I think surprised a lot of people. I, I remember the first time I heard like about like the reviews were coming out. I think I saw like the reviews coming out being a trending story on Twitter or whatever. And I remember seeing that it was getting like really good reviews and being like, really? Because <laughs> I was like kind of confused because I don't know like, because when I, when I think of the original Blade Runner, you know, it's such a good movie on its own. Like no one was thinking, hey, we need a sequel to Blade Runner. Well, I think that's a good place to start. I think we should talk a little bit about the original Blade Runner. Um, you know, could you give us a little taste for what that movie was and what your first Blade Runner experience was? I remember watching Blade Runner. I probably watched it when I was like, the first time like was like my junior year of high school. And I just remember watching it and being like, this was made in the 80s. Because like, what's incredible is like the visuals from that movie have held up better than any other uh like science fiction movie from that time, like including Star Wars. Well, because it, it feels like our world. Yeah, because it, it's this gritty, real reality that you can make for like you know a lower budget, without you know overstepping into like the CGI and whatnot. Um, but yeah, the thing with the original Blade Runner is it's so realistic in like this could be our future, and I think um, with the sequel that that is further explored like this the whole this could be our future thing but that's and we're gonna dance around this a little bit okay um because there's a real push not to spoil this movie right from the director mm-hmm. um in the community um potentially for some people who are also in this room so we're, well, we're... i'm not a huge fan of spoiling things either i had star wars episode seven spoiled for me so like spoilers are my least favorite thing and i just don't wish them on anybody that said we're going to need a little bit of context here. Okay. So what is Blade Runner 2049? So, what is the story it's trying to tell? So um, the first thing you want to do uh, when you go to before you go see Blade Runner 2049 is they have these little shorts. Like they have mm-hmm. the three little shorts. So that will give you some more context leading into the film. So like the first one is about the blackout uh, that they refer to a lot in the movie. And then um, the second one is Jared Leto's character, Neander Wallace, showing off these new replicants to the LAPD. Uh, and then I didn't watch the last one, but um, when you when you open up the movie, at this point, the LAPD now uses replicants. Which are 
real-to-life androids. Yeah. Basically, they're indistinguishable from actual people. And in the first movie, they're banned on planet Earth. By by the time uh, of Blade Runner, like the original, in the the future that the original sets up, the the human race has achieved interplanetary travel and blade or uh, sorry not blade runners um replicants are not allowed on earth and so the people who hunt them are called blade runners um and so in 2049 the blade runners are also replicants hunting older models of replicants that aren't obedient okay it's it's a lot to follow it yes and the thing that I think is going to be the trickiest for a lot of people going into this movie, or the few people who are actually seeing this movie, and we'll talk about that later, yeah. um, is the original Blade Runner was a movie with a philosophy. Right. It was a movie about what exactly it meant to be human. Of course, yeah. Um, and I think the thing that concerned a lot of people when a sequel was announced many, many years was ago... Was that they were just going to be like, oh, forget about the philosophy of this movie, we're going to make an action movie. Yes, did they do that? They made a very philosophical film that I think is... So, in 1982, the concerns with, like, the internet by that point, you know, and, like, AI were very limited to, like, a kind of a, the the imagination of the 1980s, you know. It's kind of funny now because 2019 is only two years away, right? And we live in... You know, we look back at the 1982 and we're like, we're almost there, you know, like... This is how they envision the future. Well, minus the flying cars and the, you know, yeah. real-to-life androids. But Yeah, but, you know, they – so in in its own way, it tackled, like, the fears for the future of that time. And so with that, with that philosophy in mind, I think 2049 reflects a lot of the fears of our time into a, a future with realistic androids and flying cars. Well, what are some of those fears? Uh, the probably a lot of AI related fears. So I think, I think right now you have, um, you have a lot of fear about artificial intelligence because it is becoming something that is very much a reality when you have, you know, like the Tesla corporation putting out self-driving cars and like, uh, inexplicably Elon Musk also telling us that AI is going to destroy us all at the same time. But I think like he's a very safe and guarded voice on AI. Like he's like a more responsible voice. I think he fears irresponsible voices like of, uh, or proponents of AI. And that's a little bit what Blade Runner gets into. Yeah. is like where to draw the line when it comes to like this sort of like technology development, where do we, where do we lose sight of like our, our, our humanness in needing to like exchange like real humans for fake humans. So, do you think that this new Blade Runner movie has something to add to that conversation, or is it just well, saying it, the same message for a newer audience? It has, it has, I think, a little bit more to add to that conversation for sure, because what ends up happening in the interim years is they have the blackout, which and is then, uh, there's like this huge event where like everything, like the internet and everything, is just wiped out. Like civilization is like almost practically wiped out this event happens and they blame replicants for it, right? And then they they make a scapegoat out of the replicants and then they ban all replicants. Just just in general they're banned. So when the uh the short with Jared Leto explains that like when when the uh so when Neander Wallace goes into the LAPD with his, his brand of replicant, 
uh, it, it's very much explained that like they didn't want to bring them back originally, but then they see this and they're tempted again. And it's almost like this temptation to grab out to the AI uh, option again. And I feel like that that's where it really taps in to like the, the human fear of AI, of artificial intelligence, because like you have the, you have the fear that somebody's going to get a little too in over their heads and get too powerful and bite the opportunity to have something like that. And it also seems like there's that fear of the other, you know, that yeah. somebody who is unlike you, which if you look around us now, that fear is playing out all across the country and all across the world. Yeah. Um, which I think is a really nice parallel to draw. And I think it's a real mm-hmm. time and place thing that this movie came out when it should have. Yeah. I mean, especially when you have things like you could you could almost parallel how like the world in 2049 is run by a mega corporation uh, run by a guy that thinks he's God. Um, Jared Leto is absolutely wonderful in this movie. (laughs) Oh, it's nice. to It's nice to hear people being able to say Jared Leto is wonderful at some point. Well, he was really good in Dallas Buyers Club. He's had he was in Requiem for a Dream. He was good in that. He's good in Panic Room. I just feel like this the Joker performance really set him back about like 10 Oscar nominations. I think you're right there. Um, this is a long movie. Yeah. What um, is it, three hours? It, I believe it's two hours and 44 minutes. And That's I'm pretty close to three. Yes, with trailers. I, I'm, it, with trailers, it's probably three hours. I'm not somebody to come down on a movie for its running time, mm-hmm. so long as that running time feels deserved. And we've seen like a bloat in movies recently, especially bigger budget things, especially tentpole movies does Blade Runner earn its time? That's the thing is I think like instead of like I, I think this movie needed to be as long as it was because there's so much that that has to be like explained and if you were to do it in such a way that it was like a short compact like two hour movie you would end up having like a mostly exposition based film and it, as the Phantom Menace can attest to exposition based films are no fun to watch so um, I feel like with a lot of more visual movies, they end up being longer. In and this movie is very visual. Like a lot of this movie is pulling you into the world and like being. You know how they like always like try to give you off the effect that like you or like there's like this idea that you can get like sucked into the screen in a movie. Mm-hmm. This is one of those movies. You know, there, there's got to be more time devoted to setting up those visual cues, or else it's going to look sloppy. And nothing in this movie looks sloppy. Uh, everything just kind of looks gorgeous. Um, and it's a masterpiece in visual storytelling, which is like just the best kind of storytelling. Do you think it's going to lose people going into it? Because- I think it will because like that's the problem is like they did it as such an indie film in a way. They did it they did it in the spirit of the original, which was kind of you know it's a, it's a cult classic. you know it's got a cult following of people. and so, they kept that spirit alive in 2049 because they made the artsier sci-fi movie. That makes sense. It does, and it's not something we see very often. Um, I think the last... Well, we very rarely see, like, true hard sci-fi. Um, yeah. Usually it's... I feel like Blade Runner is true hard sci-fi. Uh, yes, the original, I, I can't necessarily attest to the new one. but The, the new one is, too. Yeah. Just because, like, the new one, by virtue of being, like living up to the original is on all levels, like kind of this, not the same thing, but like, like it's like the same level. It, yeah. It, it builds off of it. Um, and feels like a necessary 
part of a series that nobody really realized needed to be. Well, a and what's cool about 2049 is it leaves it, it doesn't leave it like, oh, hey, we're going to make like 20 more sequels off of this. You know, like by the end of the story, you feel like, you know, you've, you've reached the end of the story. Uh, so. And I think it's, it's because instead of making Terminator 3, they went out and found somebody who had a vision. Mm-hmm. Um, Dennis Villeneuve, whose name I will never pronounce right as long as I live. He's it's the, Denise Villeneuve. Yeah, so there we go. Case in point, fact checking there. Um, what happens when you have a copy editor in the house? Um, he's the guy who did Arrival and yeah. uh, Sicario. Like, he knows what he's doing and, and he knows. I, like, when I, when I saw that he was directing it, it was like, okay, well, this, you know, this could turn out well. Because, I mean, he, he's, he has done some pretty great films in the last couple of years. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's somebody who who has a vision for what he makes. I feel like this guy is like our generation Spielberg in a way. That is a conversation for a whole other podcast. I know. Uh, so I'm just going to let that statement hang. hang. But, but I will... no, no, internally I'm challenging you a little bit. Okay. We'll, we'll let that be a hook for future things. Okay. And I think we might have to wrap it up. But I, I will go. I will go out and say this: um, when it comes to great sequels, like greatest sequels of all time, like you think of The Godfather Part Two, Empire Strikes Back, Toy Story Two is a pretty great sequel. Like that's hard to argue with. But you know, I think in terms of like all-time greatest sequels, Blade Runner twenty forty-nine is due in that list. And again, another bold claim, but it seems like one that's earned. I think that's a nice note to end on. Yeah. Again, I, I'm so happy that... And go see this movie because nobody's seeing it and Hollywood's going to get back t- to the drawing board after this box office weekend and they're going to be like, well, that didn't sell well. you know. And they, they'll probably end up shelving movies like these. And it's just really sad to see that. I mean, it's got Ryan Gosling in it. I know that did nothing for nice guys, but it has Ryan Gosling in it. And a, an effects budget and it looks amazing and it has talent behind it, but just go oh. see this movie, like support movies that actually challenge people. You know, that's why I went and saw mother. That's why I went and saw blade runner 2049, you know? Uh, so we've, we've talked about on previous shows that this fall has been a movie season worth thinking about <laughs> in terms of the, I'm just like, saying Geostorm, man. Okay. Well, you, you, you killed my thunder there. Oh, that was an unfortunate pun. I can't, I can't, <laughs> it's unraveling around me. It's time to end this. Okay. Thank you, Charlie. If you have something to plug, now's your time. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Charlie Musante. Uh, the C and the M at the beginning of my names are capitalized. And I highly recommend doing that. Also, read Charlie's other reviews. Uh, he has the rare honor of writing a review that actually made me laugh. So there's a... Yeah, uh, there's a great Macklemore review uh, that you should all go check out. Ditto that statement. Um, I'm review editor Jake Leary. Been, I'm Charlie Musante. Uh, Charlie Musante. <laughs> a name I pronounced right on the first go. We've been talking about Blade Runner 2049. For Deja Vu, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.